Ted Turner is the founder of CNN. He said this, that Christianity was a religion for losers. So he said, he says, as he approached his 75th birthday a few years ago, Ted Turner said he's open to Christianity, and when he has a friend that's dying of cancer, he said, I say a prayer for them. When asked who he prays to, he answered, whoever is listening. When asked, he turned to Turner, who had been married and divorced three times and has four girlfriends, according to CNN, said he's a skeptic by nature, but added that he now allows for the possibility of Christianity. And as a child, Turner wanted to be a missionary, but he lost faith after he watched his little sister, Mary Jean, die of complications from a rare form of lupus. And he married Jane Fonda. Some years later, she converted to Christianity. They broke up. He said, although it was partially responsible for it, he told CNN writer Ann O'Neill, I sure don't want to go to hell. You know, a lot of people are in the same spot as Ted Turner. Question Christianity. A lot of people are in that spot where they faced a tragedy in life and at one time maybe believed in God and then they turned their back and said, I can't believe it. it's God who allowed this crazy bad stuff to happen. British philosopher Bertrand Russell was a mathematician, historian, social critic, and self-described atheist. He said religion is little more than superstition, and in spite of any positive effects religion might have, it's largely harmful to people. He said, when I die, I believe I'm going to rot, and that's the end. He died of the flu on February 2, 1970. In his will, he specifically stated there would be no religious ceremony of any kind. You and I know people that have this kind of thinking about life. Arian Foster played in the NFL, but he played for the University of Tennessee. May I get a good boo? Drafted by the Houston Texans in the NFL. In an interview with ESPN, he said, everybody always says the same thing. You have to have faith. That's my whole thing. Faith isn't enough for me. I mean, you and I know people with this kind of thinking. It's not just the athletes and the actors and the actresses, although this one really gets me. Kathy Griffin at her Emmy Awards acceptance speech about 10 years ago said a lot of people come up here and thank Jesus for this award. I want you to know that no one has had less to do with this award than Jesus. He didn't help me a bit, so all I can say is suck it, Jesus. This award is my God now. That's a real philosophy of life. It's not just amongst the high and mighty, the actors, the actresses, those who we see on television. Many people do not do what we're doing today. Many people do not celebrate Easter. Many people have questions. Stephen Hawking, Christopher Hitchens, Ricky Gervais, Seth MacFarlane, Jody Foster, Penn Gillette, Billy Joel, Andy Rooney, and many other famous people turn their back on God and say, I don't need him. Don't believe in him. For some, it's your neighbor, might be your mom, might be your dad, might be your coworker, might be a friend, might be a brother or a sister, might be a son or a daughter. Quite possibly, it could be you today. You could be here today because some friend twisted your arm and convinced you, come to Easter service with me. And you sit in the same boat, you go, I got lots of questions. I'm not sure if I believe all this stuff. I'm glad you're here today. See, what we do today, celebrating a risen Savior, is no longer the norm. It used to be the norm in America that churches would be jam-packed full on Easter morning, but it's less and less 
every year. How do we know that what we believe in, how do we know that what we are doing today is true? How do we know what's right? There's one main reason. The empty tomb of Jesus Christ. There's one main reason. We've gathered here to celebrate the most spectacular event in human history. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want us to talk about this idea of how do we know that the resurrection is true. See, the resurrection, it destroys every other religion in the world, and it glorifies Jesus of Nazareth as creator and God and Savior of the world. It verifies His virgin birth, His sinless supernatural life, and His soul-saving death. It single-handedly and eternally sets Jesus apart from every other religious leader who has ever lived and died because they all died and they're still dead. But Jesus Christ is alive. The empty tomb is the place where the most life-changing, world-shattering words were ever spoken and uttered by an angel when the angel said on Sunday morning, He is not here, for He has risen. How do we know that, church? I think it's this season of life, on Easter weekend, it's good for us to know how can we be sure that the tomb is empty. See, the greatest news that anyone could ever receive is that the tomb is still empty and that the body of Jesus is no longer in the grave. You know, if you hear that your bank account is empty, that's bad news. If you hear your gas tank is on empty, that could be potentially bad news. But to hear that the tomb is empty is the greatest news of all time. Of all time, and we come today to be reminded and to be encouraged and for our thinking maybe to be challenged today. Deepak Chopra, a prominent leader in the New Age movement, said every spiritual tradition has this idea of death and resurrection. It's not unique to Christianity. Now, I'd beg to differ. I can't speak for the teachings of every other spiritual tradition. But I can tell you the empty tomb is absolutely unique to Christianity. You go to the tomb of every single religious leader, and you know what? Their bones are still there. You go to the tomb of Buddha, his bones are still there. You go to the tomb of Muhammad, his bones are still there. Go to Confucius, his bones are still there. Go to Joseph Smith, his bones are still there. You go to any religious leader, any prophet who has ever lived, and you'll find the same thing. Bones. Still in the grave. Still in the grave, but you go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, you know what you'll find there? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Certain Christianity is the only religion that year after year draws millions of people who line up to see what's not there. They go to look and go, nothing in there. Made a big trip, spent a lot of money. Oh, nothing in there. Only religion in the world. The world has plenty of false messiahs, religious leaders who claim to have the words of life and, and yet to, and to be the way to heaven, but there's only been one resurrection. It's Jesus Christ. Many well-meaning, sincere folks continue to hang on to the forever fading promises of false messiahs that are dead and gone, hoping against all hope that maybe the one they believe in is the right one. Those who've aligned themselves with false Messiah are in for a very sudden and tragic surprise. We, the church, have no surprise. Dr. John MacArthur writes, Just as the heart pumps life-giving blood to every part of the body, so the truth of the resurrection gives life to every other area of the gospel truth. The resurrection is the pivot on which all of Christianity 
turns, and without none of the other truths would matter. Without the resurrection, Christianity would be so much wishful thinking taking its place alongside all other human philosophy and religious speculation. However, because of the resurrection, the heartbroken followers of the crucified rabbi were turned into the courageous witnesses and martyrs who in a few years spread the gospel across the Roman Empire and beyond. Belief in their resurrection, he says, is the truth that this life is only a prelude to the life to come for those who trust in Jesus Christ could not be obliterated by ridicule, prison, torture, even death. No fear or dread in this life can quench the hope and joy of an assured life to come. It's real. I like what New Testament professor Dr. Lewis Johnson says. He says the resurrection is God's amen to Christ's statement that it is finished. It is finished. Only one event will surpass the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's the return of Jesus. It's when he comes back. Until that day, every Easter, the world gathers to celebrate our Lord's triumphant victory over death, victory over hell, and victory over the grave. And we need to understand that testimony. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 1, that's what Luke says. Luke says, I want to give you many convincing proofs that the gospel, that the resurrection is real. So let me share a few with you today. It's true because Jesus predicted his resurrection. Matthew 16 says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed on the third day and be raised. Jesus told them, this is going to happen, and it happened. I'm going to be persecuted. He was persecuted. I'm going to go to a cross. He went to the cross. I'm going to die. He died. I'm going to go in a grave. I'm going to rise again. And exactly what happened in He predicted it happened. Both his prediction and his resurrection are compelling proof that Jesus rose from the grave. See, the resurrection is the only reasonable explanation for the empty tomb. Now, some will say and argue, well, the soldiers said the disciples must have stolen his body. Really? Who moved the big stone? You mean soldiers fought against the Romans? The Roman Empire, the number one Roman army of the world, fought against them? How about this? If they stole the body, then what happened to it? Because obviously they would have found it eventually, but they don't have a body. The resurrection is the only reasonable explanation for the total transformation of the disciples. I mean, Jesus took a ragtag bunch of guys, unschooled, ordinary men who had no clue what they were doing. He said, come on, you and me, we're going to change the world. And their lives were totally transformed. You sit, some of you sit in this room today and you go, I know the resurrection is true because I could tell you what I was like five years ago or three years ago or six months ago, but I met Jesus and my life is different. Only the resurrection does that in somebody's life. D.L. Moody said the greatest proof of the resurrection is a changed life. If your life has been changed by Jesus, you know the resurrection is true. The disciples went from cowering in the upper room to preaching in downtown Jerusalem. Think about the transformation of Saul of Tarsus into the Apostle Paul. He went from murderer to missionary. He went from trying to stop Christianity to to, to spreading Christianity. The most prolific advocate of the resurrection who ever lived. And their theme was all the same, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection is the only reasonable explanation for the growth of the church in the face of intense opposition and relentless persecution. There's nothing ever tried to stop the church like the persecution has taken place for now 2,000 plus years. You know what happens? The church continues to move forward. 
The church continues to grow. People continue to be reached. Lives continue to be changed because the resurrection is true. And the resurrection is the only reasonable explanation of the hundreds of people who witness it. 1 Corinthians tells us that Jesus, after the resurrection, appears to some 500 people. And he says, look, here I am. Even doubting Thomas. Thomas, remember the, hand, the holes in my hand? See the holes in my feet? It's real, Thomas. And he says it to 500. If it wasn't real, there would have been someone in that 500 crowd. He said, no, I was there. It didn't happen. There's no, accu- there's, no, there's no record of that, that it didn't happen. Chuck Colson served in President Nixon's administration was sent to prison because of Watergate. Most of us are probably familiar. He says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, or put in prison. They would not have endured that if it were not true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a little lie for three weeks. But you're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. And you know he's right. The resurrection is real. It really happened. On a Sunday morning over 2,000 years ago, the most life-changing, world-shattering words ever spoken were uttered by an angel. He's not here, for he has risen, as he said. Now, those are great words. They're absolutely wonderful words. But I think those maybe we're not the greatest words ever spoken. I believe the greatest words were ever spoken were spoken by Jesus when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The story of the gospel packed right there in one simple sentence. Tim Tebow put that reference on his eye black, you know, the strip below the eyes when he played in the NCAA National Championship game for Florida. After the game, Google received more than 90 million hits from people looking up John 3.16. What's that about? And they all heard and read that God loves them so much that he gave his only son so that people could be saved when they believe in him. Dr. Jeremiah said the entire message of the Bible is stuffed into that verse. He said he grew up hearing that message over and over again because that message communicates the love of God. He said it's extravagant for God to love the world. God didn't simply say, I love you. See, in torn flesh, in agony, and bearing uh, unearned pain, vicious punishment, he said, I love you. It's extravagant. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while we are still all messed up, Christ still went through the pain. God's love is extravagant, but it's also extensive because he says it's for the world. It's not just for Kentucky, not just for my home state of Michigan. It's not just for the United States. It's for the whole world. It's for every race, every age, every gender, Every location, he says, the world. God loves every individual in the entire world, every one of them, and that includes you. For God so loved the world. That is extravagant, it's extensive, but it's expensive. He gave his only son. Jesus is the unique son of God. There's no one like him. There is no equal. And therefore, when God gave us Jesus, he gave us the best gift in the universe. Imagine. Imagine giving up your child. Most of us, I think, would all say, no way, Jose. Not going to do it. Now, there may be days. <laughs> but when we get real, we go, I'm not doing that. 
my child. God gave us his son. It's expensive. Expansive. Now, whoever, whoever is a big old tent that can hold everyone who wants to find shelter beneath it, that whoever, it's an open invitation to all who say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. It's an invitation that says, you leave your resume at home because your qualifications don't matter to me. It's an invitation that says, this is for everybody. If you live, if you breathe, if you're born in a human race, here's a place for you. Expansive, but it's exclusive. It's an exclusive club, so to speak, because he says you got to believe. The word believe is the hinge upon which the door of heaven turns. When you put your belief into Jesus Christ, there are only two kinds of people in the world, those who believe and those who don't. And all of us fall in one of those two categories. Do I believe or do I not believe? Do I trust? Do I not trust? And it's exceptional because the Scripture tells us we will not perish when we believe. What does that mean? That means we will not be separated from God forever. See, to perish is remain aware of, but separated forever from the love of God. And the Bible doesn't teach annihilation because every person with a soul will live forever. The question is, will you live forever with God or without God? But when you believe, put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can live with God forever. Jesus died on a cross so that you and I can be in heaven forever, and it's eternal. He says eternal life, John 3.16, is an incredible love story. It begins with God, who has no beginning, and it concludes with a life that has no ending. Jesus' life has no ending. He died for you and me so that we could live in eternity. September of 1985, there was a celebration of New Orleans Municipal Pool. The party around the pool was held to celebrate the first summer in memory without a drowning at the New Orleans City Pool in honor of the occasion. 200 people gathered, including 100 city lifeguards, to have a party and say, we made it through a summer. Never lost one swimmer. As the party was breaking up and the four lifeguards on duty began to clear the pool, they found a fully dressed body in the deep end. They tried desperately to try to revive 31-old Jerome Moody, but it was too late. Evidently, he had drowned, surrounded by lifeguards, celebrating their successful season. See, if all we do, church, if all we do is celebrate the resurrection, and we don't share the good news of Jesus, we've missed the point altogether. We've missed the point altogether. Are people drowning right before our eyes? We need to gather as the church to be encouraged and be reminded of what Jesus has done. But the bigger mission is that we're supposed to go out and carry this message forward. What the disciples started, we're supposed to take it forward and let other people know. Famous atheist speaking at a college campus was denying Jesus as Son of God and His ability to change people's lives. He came to the very end of his speech, and he asked if there was any questions. A young man walked up, grabbed an orange out of a basket off of his desk. He peeled it, he ate it, and he asked the speaker if the orange was sweet or sour. The atheist just looked at him and said, well, how can I know? I haven't tried that one. The young man looked at him and said, sir, you can't speak about Jesus either until you've tried him. Is it time this Easter for you to try Jesus? Is it time for you to surrender? That's why this church is here. I don't know how you got here today. I don't know if a friend invited you. I don't know if you saw a postcard that was at your door. I don't know if you're here because you saw a social media post. I don't know if you saw the sign out front about the egg hunt that, unfortunately, the weather 
made us detour and do something different. I don't, I don't know how you got here. I don't know if you just drive by this place every single day. I don't know if you got up this morning. You said, I'm just going to go somewhere. I'm going to get a cup of coffee. And you drove in. You said, oh, you know, it's Easter Sunday. Let me stop in church. I don't know how you got here, but I know you got here because God wants you to hear the message that he loves you. He wants you to know that the invitation is open to all, and it takes taking a step of belief in him. And after you believe, then the gospel guides us towards repentance, confession, and entering the waters of baptism. We'd love to help you on that journey today. We're prepared for that. Here in a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to receive communion. And at the back back of the room, there's a cross back there. We have a few people back there who are ready to pray with you, ready to help you take a step of faith in your journey with God. Maybe it's just, I just need to pray. But maybe today, I want to surrender. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be baptized. I want to die to my old self, go into that watery grave of baptism, be risen again, and walk in a new life in Christ. We'd love to help you on that journey today. That's why John recorded the words of Jesus, the greatest words ever spoken, this spectacular message of the resurrection, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal, everlasting life.